everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. And we're live. Or whatever live is when you're a podcast. I don't know if that actually counts as live, but it's live when I'm recording it. So that's that's what counts. Uh, hey, folks. Uh, again, this is Eric Wright. I'm your host today. Uh, and my guest today is somebody who I've been lucky enough to spend a bunch of time uh, in in great conversations. And, you know, we've done a lot of stuff in the industry together, uh, which is why I thought this was super exciting to be able to, to bring this conversation to everybody. It's one of the reasons why I started the podcast is that people always ask like, hey, you know, what did you talk to this person about? And, and it became this thing of, I really wish I could just share that conversation with everybody. So we're going to do that right here. With that, I want to welcome John Price, who, uh, God, there's so many things I could describe you as. Blogger, author, uh, just great technologist, super good person. Uh, but John, let's uh, introduce yourself. Uh, where do we find you online? And then we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about kind of career progressions. And then we're going to really nail down some neat stuff around data, intelligent data management. It's, that's the, the, the nerdy part of it. Yeah, sounds great. Thank you. And uh, actually, if uh, of all those titles, uh, if you just want to refer to me as, uh, as friends, I'm, I'm cool with that. <laughs> so, that's that's uh, here. I love it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, my name is John Price. I'm an information uh, management specialist, uh, strategist. Uh, we had this conversation a couple weeks ago where, uh, you know, what, what exactly is uh, uh, the title around uh, some of the things that we do, right? Is it a strategist? Is it architect? And uh, uh, we, can, we can go down that road and uh, talk about that all day as well. So, uh, but where you can find me, uh, John A. Price 29 on Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn, of course, and uh, I blog at infotechthings.com. The blogging is probably not as active as I would like it to be, uh, looking at changing that. And, uh, you know, part of the reason for uh, the discussion today and part of the reason why re- we reconnected, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny. So I got to ask, are there, are there 28 other John A. Prices that beat you to the punch? Is that <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's the 29? No, that's a great that's a great question. I actually got on Twitter somewhat early um, and, and then uh, kind of you know moved away from it a little bit when I rejoined. I actually went with the 29 uh, because at the time I was a hockey player and I that was my number when I played hockey. Nice. Uh, as I start to look at, uh, you know, as I started to follow more, uh, you know, more technology uh, feeds, started to get into the community a little bit more. Uh, that's the question I get is, uh, boy, it's too bad you joined so late and you had to get a 29 number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, no, we're going to retire that sucker on a jersey. That's what, that's my number, man. That's, that's cool. That's a great story, actually. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's funny. You talk about blogging and, you know, obviously a lot of folks that listen are, you know, they're, they're kind of in the game. And it's funny when we had this progression of when you start, you start blogging. And then you start, you, you know, you've written books and you've, you've done a lot of different types of things for content creation. And then we feel this weird, like guilt when you slow down or like we do other things. And I, I went through a big drought for a while and all of a sudden I was like, oh, like I don't even know that I could call myself a blogger anymore because I'm, I've been written for like four months. But, you know, what, what was it? How did you get into it to start with? Yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, early in my career, I, so I started out doing Citrix WinFrame. Uh, this is going to go way back uh, for some of the people listening. So uh, back in the 90s, started working with Citrix WinFrame uh, that eventually became Citrix MetaFrame. <clears throat> and I was at a, uh, I was at a conference and I went up to the uh, Cybex booth, uh, publishing company, uh, recently purchased by uh, Wiley, uh, Wiley Publications. Uh, so I walked up to the Cybex booth and just started talking to people there and said, you know, hey, uh, you know, this was way before a lot of people were blogging. Uh, yeah, I just said, 
hey, I, I'm interested in writing something. There are, I'm going out looking for materials around Citrix and there's nothing out there. And, you know, they just said, yeah, great. We need people, um, you know, send us, uh, send us a writing sample, give us a, uh, a business reason for writing Citrix. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll consider that. So I did it and basically went from a, you know, a land administrator at a hospital managing six or seven WinFrame servers to a published author. And, you know, just, just like that, just by getting the guts up to go to a booth and just walking up and saying, hey, I think I can do this and there's a need for it. Um, how about me? And it worked out really well. Uh, so I wrote, uh, wrote a book around Citrix. I did some work around uh, Microsoft Exchange and Active Directory, uh, both uh, publishing books and also working on uh, Cybex at the time had some uh, test center, uh, like CBT testing materials. And I uh, wrote some of the testing questions and answers around Microsoft Exchange 2000 and, uh, and things like that. So, you know, again, well before blogging, but I uh, actually uh, wrote books first, kind of got into blogging uh, a little bit later. And then, uh, you know, we've done some of the, the VDM, the Virtual Design Master 30 and 30, uh, where we try to blast out 30 blogs in 30 days. And I've come close. I think I did 21 one year, and uh, I hate to say I may have done like six or seven the next. <laughs> you know, what it, what's funny about that thing, and we've, we've seen it happen before where we do like any 30-day challenge. I'm like the worst because I create these 30-day challenges. They're horrifying. Like they're really, they're it's meant to be something that takes you way out of comfort. And everybody's like, I can pull this off every day. I can spend like 45 minutes. I can carve out a blog post. I'll put five in the can. So I'm ready on day one. So I got a little bit of leeway. Man, day eight, things get harsh. <laughs> and you see people going, yeah. I don't know if I can pull this off, but that's really what it's meant to be is, you know, is testing your ability to test yourself and understand your limits so that when you get asked, like, hey, you know, can I write a book? God, that's one of the hardest things. Like when people just think like writing a book, it's like writing 40 blog posts and gluing them together. I'm like, no, no, you see, it's not like that because you can't glue 40 blog posts together. There's a very different style in long form writing. You know, did, and when you did it, if I could, the best advice was in what you said. You thought about an idea. You went up to somebody that could help you with that idea and you said, can I do this with you? And they said, sure. Like, here's the reason, here's how you do it. And like, you can't imagine how many people I bump into say like, ah, I don't know if I should, if I can write a blog. I'm like, just do it, do it. Like just start writing. And, and then once it's out there, it's going to be, you know, you may get some critique, you may get some feedback that you, you know, but Hey, keep going, keep going. And, and just start that muscle flexing. Like was when you wrote the book, did you have a background in writing that made you think that this is definitely the kind of writing style I want to get into? Absolutely not, actually. So <laughs> if you were to, it's funny because if you were to, if you were to talk to people that I went to high school with, um, I was, you know, I was in high school for uh, social reasons. I was not a good student whatsoever. I was probably the least likely person to be published. Um, I, I did some college, actually did not uh, graduate, even associate's degree. I, I got a job in tech um, in you know, 95 uh, with just under two years of college, and it was a really good job and really never looked back. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I Thankfully, we had people who were tech editors and uh, you know, people to not only tech edit, but uh, just, you know, general editing of, uh, you know, putting my words to make them actually sound decent, right? So, um, yeah, absolutely no history uh, in, in writing at all. And uh, it worked out pretty well. You know, it's, and it's funny that the writing styles have changed a lot more, like, there's different ways, like there's technical writing in the kind of like writing a manual and it's very structured. It's very specific in the way it is. It's very uh, removed from humanity. I find it like, 
the user will click to the left of the icon in which like it's very prescriptive it's like it's an instruction set but when you're writing for actual like interactions you i i've done a couple of of small like little micro books recently for o'reilly and the, i've i thought oh, i gotta don't say you don't say like don't say all these things that you use in conversation and they sent me the writing guide and it said, make sure you interact with the reader. Say you, introduce them to what they're going to do. Talk about how you will benefit from doing And I was like, oh, wow, you're like writing for humans for once. It's, it's kind of nice. Did you find that when you started writing, same thing, like, did you keep your voice in the way you wrote? It's like, how easy was it? Yeah. So, you know, you know, great question, you know, cause I really, I didn't, I did, didn't have a voice at the time. Right. I didn't know what I was doing essentially. So, uh, you know, I submitted the first few chapters, uh, then, you know, got some feedback and really that whole process really taught me my voice essentially. Right. So, um, hadn't done even anything internally as far as, uh, writing any kind of white papers or anything like that. So it was uh, trial by fire. Right. Um, so, you know, they, they had some very good feedback. I think I probably was a little bit more structured. I, you know, I think they came back with the same feedback and said, yeah, hey, you can make this a little bit looser. Uh, but then also had a couple chapters that were probably a little too loose that they had to, you know, <laughs> had to add a little structure to. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and the funny thing is if you look at, uh, you know, the way that, a lot of us write. The one thing that I always got caught out with was like passive voice. And I had technical writers and like legitimate English majors that were on one of the teams I was at in, in a company. And I was doing writing for, for stuff. And they're like, you know, there's too much passive voice in here. Like no one would read this and, and be able to use it. And I was like, I know I got 20,000 readers a month. I think it's working out okay. I'm like, I, I, I love the feedback. I'm going to try and fix it. Because I do want to just not have like 17 commas in a sentence to try and get there. So I, I met in the middle, but I was like the formality of like the, the true English guide to writing, whatever this, like the, the real guides to writing versus like making it conversational and readable. There's a, a neat middle ground and, and it's, it's something that everybody needs to find. Did you think to yourself? Yeah, definitely. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, it, it definitely helped with the blogging portion, right? Because, um, you know, it is a little bit looser. It's a little bit more informal. And uh, if anybody reads my blog, then they can tell, oh, this person is not an English major, right? So I don't have those editors that uh, I can, can go up and clean up my work. But uh, it helps me be more conscious about what I'm writing. So I'm at least a little bit better than I was uh, if I just would have jumped into it. Um, yeah, however. You know, we did the VDM 30 and 30, and there were a few posts that I threw out there. It was like, oh, I, I got to get this out there. I got to get one a day. And I put it out there. I was like, ooh, I really don't want to put this one out there. And then the feedback I got was, hey, this was great. And people were sharing it. And, you know, so kind of going back to your advice, just do it, right? Um, you know, that's one of the things that I found, you know, even you know, you're exercising that muscle. Yeah. Even if I, I don't think it was completely ready to go out. Yeah. If I could have spent another week on it, it might've been better. Uh, but it's nice to get that feedback to at least know, Hey, you're on the right path. You know, you're, you're doing things right. So, um, that, that's always good to hear. And it's, it's almost like, like a physical muscle thing. I remembered when I, I, for the, about an hour and a half that I tried golf, Oh boy, do I hate golf, but Hey, that's a different podcast in itself. And, and there was a whole thing of like trying to figure out how to do the right swing. And, and finally, like I just sort of had it and I was just like, I just raised it up and I literally just like let it hang and swing down almost on its own. And it was like, off it went. I proudly nailed like the longest shot I'll ever hit in my life because I just threw away any idea I had about how I should do it. And what became that like instinctive thing, it worked out. And, and that's what the, those writing things do. I've seen that you, you believe it's like kind of a throwaway blog. You're like, ah, I'll just, you know, it's fine. At least it fills some space. And then people are like, hey, thanks for this. And, and you find it gets a lot of traction. It's, it's kind of neat. You never know. I've learned you can never say like, this is it. 
this is going to be the one, right? You know, this is the blockbuster <laughs> blog of all time. And you send it out and it just gets, just like, if there's a, a blog version of crickets, like there'd be a sound right. of crickets. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the John Travolta gif of him looking around, right? Like, where, where's my Where's my adoration? <laughs> yeah, and then you know, your golf analogy. Oh, sorry. I say your golf analogy is actually perfect, though, because uh, the very first time I went golfing, somebody told me, you know, you're gonna have a terrible day. It's just gonna be absolutely terrible. You're gonna get frustrated. You're gonna hate it. But there's gonna be one shot that is gonna stick in your mind. You're gonna connect. You're gonna make that one shot. And that's what's going to make you come back the next day. And it's the same thing. When I started blogging, I started putting stuff out there. I was like, oof, this is bad. Uh, but then, you know, like I said, I get, I get feedback from somebody uh, that says, hey, this was really good. And then that's that one. You're like, ooh, ooh, I want to go right again. So, yeah. you know, perfect analogy. It's about finding like your voice through it. And it's just, it's time. And, and that's why, again, the, just people need to just say, let's give it a whirl. Even if it's just amongst a peer group and, a, and another good friend of mine, he, you know, he started, he, he wanted like, I want to come up with a blog. And he like, I, you know, ideated for like four months on like, you know, what would be the right name for the blog? I'm like, have you written anything? You know, have you actually written an article? And then he wrote one right. and, he it, and he's like, I'm going to send it to like four or five people to have them review it. And I was like, you know, the best review It's called, hit the publish button, like let everybody <laughs> review it. And the yeah. first four he did like that very, like had a bunch of peer reviews and all this stuff. And then when it came to the fifth one, I sat there with him watching him finish it. And he's like, I'm going to share this with the rest of people. I said, no, you're not. You're going to hit the publish button right now. And that's how you're going to share it. And he did. And then from that point forward started to become way more comfortable, but understandably the first few steps are a little bit, you know, a little bit of trepidation when you're trying it out the first time. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, it's jumping in, right? And it, it, it transcends beyond blogging, right? So, you know, the, so even before I got into, you know, working with, and we're going back, you know, to, you know, the, the golden old days of, of Citrix Windframe, right? And, uh, you know, the early days of, uh, you know, when you're in your career, um, there's something kind of, I don't know, almost romantic about when you're first learning stuff and you're like really diving in to learn things and you're trying new things, right? You look back at them kind of with fond memories and, you know, even outside of writing, um, you know, just trying to learn something new, you know, there's the, the old catch 22 of how do I get experience if I don't have experience? How do I apply for a job that requires uh, experience if, you know, I haven't done anything and I've, started to, you know, mentor some people. And you know, one of the things that I always say is just, just do stuff, you know, volunteer if you have to. Um, I was doing desktop support for um, a hospital and I was wanting to get on the networking team and I wanted to, you know, I was like, I have a year experience. I should be moving on and I should be doing better things. And uh, so what I, I was still taking some night classes and I just started volunteering every chance I got, you know, the, the instructor would stay late, you know, this is days before ghost and we would have, uh, we would have a lab that we would have to build for this class. And then when the class was over, he had to rebuild the lab for the next day. So I just walked up one night and said, Hey, can I stay and help you rebuild? And, you know, things like that, even, you know, uh, volunteering at, you know, uh, nonprofits in the area, just, just doing things, just going up to people and just saying, Hey, can I help with that? Hey, I'd love to be involved in this. How can I get involved? And you know, it just it it, it pays off. I mean, it just uh, you know, you just you just move so fast once you start doing things like that because it's not just the work; it's the connections too. Right. It's <laughs> my favorite. Just to pull on that story, it was a classic thing. It was I was taking a, my Microsoft's MCSE, like Windows 2000 days, and we did the course, and we actually had paid like an external company to come in and train us like 15 of us from the company on site. So two nights a week, we would stay for from like four until 8 p.m. And we did this kind of like a boot camp style for like 12 weeks. And then they would give you, you would do the labs, do the training, like the official curriculum. And then we would each be in, in charge of taking the tests. 
And so what I did was just what you said there, right? I said like, hey, do you need help setting this up? I want to see how it works. Because they had all these like PowerShell like and like these build scripts that they did in order to stand up the environment that was built by Microsoft. So I could literally see the guts of this thing. And then one of the courses was at Active Directory Troubleshooting. It was one of the, the exams. And the instructor was a great teacher, but not, a, not coming from IT. So she really knew the curriculum. But the funny thing was the lab went sideways. Like it wasn't working. And she said, okay, what we'll have to do is we'll have to cancel the labs for today. We'll rebuild the labs and then go through the, the, the different criteria. And I was like, no, that's good. We're just going to fix this right now. And so like four of the group stayed back that night and we figured out what the problem was. And that was just the whole thing of instead of just saying, okay, well, time's up, time to go home. And I kind of said the next, the next class, I said, you know, this is an active directory troubleshooting course. Like shaking it out like an Etch-a-Sketch and starting from scratch again isn't troubleshooting it. We should like, and she was really good. She's like, that's a great point. And we went through in the class, like how we figured out what the problem was, where the build scripts were. And everybody learned way more in that section because they were excited about fixing it. They're excited about being involved in it. And it's this like nerd excitement. You're like, why would you care about staying an extra two hours and figuring some problem out? I'm like, because it's going to happen in real life. And, and that it lights up a part of your brain where you're like, I feel better about what I learned instead of just taking the book. Right, exactly. And that's the one class that you are still talking about to this day, as opposed to coming back the next day and saying, oh, now when I click through all of the uh, click through instructions, one through 12, everything works. That's right. Uh, so it made a, made a much better impression, right? So, yeah, yeah and, than, you know. Other than Contoso being the domain name, I couldn't honestly tell you a single detail about any of the rest of the courses. <laughs> right, right. Contoso, Fabricam, those are the two things I remember about those. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, it, it's a great thing too. Like you asked to help, right? And they said, yeah, yeah, you know, let's, let's, yeah, we'll, we'll um, let you help us build the labs, build everything. That's the great thing about this community. And that's what I love about being involved in the community. And I, I admire that you're so involved in the community is because, you know, it, everything, when, when people are just starting out, I know when I was starting out, I would look at, you know, what people could do in networking or with servers. And I was like, that's magic. That, I, how do they do that? That's crazy, you know? And it was something that was beyond what I could even understand. Well, we have a community of magicians that basically say, well, come over here and I'll show you the trick. I'll show you how to do it, right? Where in other areas, um, other communities, uh, that may not be the case. So, you know, you're, you're infatuated with that magic, but then you have somebody that is very, very willing, if you just ask, to say, yeah, yeah, uh, let me show you how to do this. And then if you learn something else that's better than this, come back and show me. Yeah, a lot of those other environments and like other things are more gated. Like there's a very much like you got to earn your earn your way to be able to ask the first question. And that's uh, and for different reasons, right? But I find the technology communities are also like they're, they're some of the most open because you know, and, and I, can, I can show, people always ask, like, why are technology communities so involved? And I said, it's easy. I said, you ever been at a family event, whatever, it's a Super Bowl, a bunch of people over, and the TV, you're like, you've got a computer plugged into the TV, and that's how you're streaming the game because you didn't want to pay cable. They're like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Like, they know the story. I'm like, okay, what happens when it doesn't work? I said, do, you, do they just sit there and yell at your back about what, is it working yet? No, eight people get up and they're all like, I, I, I think I know what might work. And like, we all crowd around it and we're all super excited about the idea of like, can I help this group of people get to the solution? It's very rare. Like a lot of other things are that you just don't have that chance to be involved, but that's, it's instinctive. You know, as soon as something goes wrong on a computer, four people converge on that screen going, Hey, did you try this? Like, cause we want to, we want to find that solution together. I mean, admittedly, there's probably some, 
some self-driven stuff. You're like, I want to be the one that finds the answer, but you're like super proud because other people are going to be like, Hey, did you try this? Like, Ooh, I never thought of that. That's nice. Like that's, that's what I love about doing what we do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, things come out of all of that too, right? So not only do you fix it, but then it's, uh, Hey, you know, if we just did this and this, uh, it would be so much better next time, right? Uh, so, you know, anytime you can get people like that. I mean, people want to share and people want to share not only, uh, I, sh- I should say, not just to say, oh, hey, look what I know, uh, but they want to share to say, uh, hey, look what I know. Now, uh, let's make this better, right? How, you know, how can you make this better? So I, I love it. I, I just... I really, I wish I was more involved in community than I am. And something, it's one of the things I love about uh, Rapid Matter, the thing that you're doing uh, with mentors. I, I'm in this, I'm in this area or this stage of my career where I'm both uh, looking to be a mentor, but I'm also looking for a mentor, <laughs> if that makes sense. So um, I, I'm really interested in seeing what comes out of, uh, of what you're doing with Rapid Matter. Well, and it's, it, one of the reasons why you you hit the story right there. Even the best mentors aren't done learning. And that's I've I've talked to I should you know a friend of mine is a behavioral psychologist, and I said so. What do you like? Who do you go to? He's like other psychologists. Like that's what we do. We have like a peer level of of mentoring and and collaboration. You do as well as just going and saying like, hey, I I spend all day listening to a lot of dark stuff. Uh, where, where do you unload that at the end of the day? And that's what it is. Even an amazing mentor, you know, you've got so much to give and you're very good at like opening it up to people and, and you're very good. Like that's, that's very different. Like a lot of pe- people don't have that capability to share the story and, and help people really get excited again. And so what happens is that you, you can't just say like, okay, I'm done learning. And, and that's the most important thing. And, and how do you find the match for you when a lot of your like sort of peer level mentors, maybe not even as experienced, so maybe they don't have the, the coverage area that you need. So that's part of what I'm, what I'm doing is like, what are the other factors about a person that would make them a good connection in order to more rapidly get to the point of like, let's just get to the business of learning and, and really shortening the cycle it's uh, it's gonna be fun. Yes, yeah, crazy. I don't know that I'm ever gonna you know, doing this stuff as a as a as a fun side gig. I got a lot of fun side gigs. It's especially when I got a hugely fun main gig. It's kind of gets a little bit uh, crowded sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's that balancing act, right? You know, and that that's one of the reasons why, uh, you know, I say I would really like to blog a lot more than I do. And uh, you know, evidence of that will be when you visit Infotech things. Um, you know, it, it's kind of sparse, but, you know, I do want to, you know, start uh, doing a lot more, but, you know, we, we have our, we have our day gigs, day, day gigs, our personal lives. Um, so, you know, and, and we're always learning something new and uh, what I need to do is just translate, Hey, I'm learning these new things. Uh, I need to just write a, like five to 700 words about it and just get it out there. The, uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, for folks who know, you know, the, the four hour work week and, and a lot of stuff and, and, and Tim.blog. Tim's uh, probably one of the most uh, you know, prolific writers and, and content creators and interesting guy. But that aside, right, what I love is that he said when he did the four hour work week and he did these, these, these different like long form writing projects, he just had it in his schedule like every day just said he called it two crappy pages a day. And that was it. Like, it's like, at the very least, I just need to carve out two crappy pages a day. Sometimes I'll do five. Sometimes I'll do, you know, four. But at the very least, if I, even if I don't like what I'm doing, the next day you can edit it and tune it. Like, just keep on this sort of machine of like, just start the motion. And it's, as a cyclist, I always say, how does every cycling workout start? You put your leg over the crossbar. And the moment that you do that, there's a psychological thing of like, I'm riding a bike now. And now you're ready. Versus like staring at the bike from across the room going, hmm, I guess I should put my gear on. And like, like at the moment you put your leg over that crossbar, you, you're riding a bike and you're ready. It's, it becomes instinctive. And the same with writing. It's like, once you just do a little, 
even if you're not happy with the output, it, you're thinking about it. You're one step closer. You, know, you don't have to publish it every time, but uh, you know, man, I'm, I'm a huge fan of your content. Just you've got a good writing style. And you know, I always joke, I'm like, I gotta do a long form book one day, but I haven't done it. And so I can't really, I can't coach people on writing long form books yet. One day, one day, I'll, I'll need you. You're gonna be my mentor and get me into a book one day. Well, and that process has changed so much too. I mean, you know, when I was when I was writing in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, you know, it was very much if you wanted a book published, you went to uh, one of these large publishers. And now you have great uh, options, um, you know, like uh, you know, actual tech and and things like that. And uh, it's just you know, there's so many more options out there now that. Uh, uh, it's a little less formal. I don't want to say it's easier uh, necessarily. Um, you know, you still have to, you know, still have to have some chops, right? But uh, the options of actually getting it out there uh, are a lot, lot better now. Uh, there's some really good stuff out there for, you know, not only uh, independent publishers, but even self-publishing. Yeah, there's two things that you'll learn when you think about doing a long-form book. Number one, it's super easy and it's really hard. That's, that's the only way I could describe it. It's easy to be able to do it and it's your choice to take that leap. And it's also way harder than you think it's going to be <laughs> because there's a lot of the sense that like, I write a lot, other people are published authors, I should be able to be a published author. I'm like, 100%. Give it a whirl, but be ready that just like that 30-day challenge that by day 15, man, things start to break down and you start to feel like, oh, you know, this is a long haul. I actually did four out of 10 chapters for a book and I tapped out. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do this because I had other things that came up. And so I didn't, I didn't commit myself fully to the time that I needed and so I chose to hand the chapters to the publishing company and say, let somebody else finish this. And like, I literally had to sign away the content because I said, if you, if somebody else can run with this, then, then please go ahead. So it's, it's a very humbling experience, but it's there for anybody that wants to try it. And especially now, like you said, self-publishing is, is cool. And so the other one, so John, you're a published author. You must live in a seven bedroom mansion with a library full of your own books. Like, tell me, how well does being an author pay? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I do get that because, uh, uh, you know, I'm standing here in my office right now and I have seven books sitting here, um, you know, that, that have my name on them. Uh, but I did not write any of them for, uh, you know, for wealth. Uh, you know, I mean, they pay decent, but uh, the payoff is in, uh, you know, basically, basically the doors that it opens and the people you meet and, um, you know, there's uh, the payoff is in opportunity. And um, so, yeah, you can you can make some money. But, you know, if you're going into it, uh, you know, thinking you're going to have that that uh, seven bedroom uh, mansion, then. Um, you know, you, you may be mistaken. <laughs> yeah, I think really the, the authoring, like what you see, you get paid out of it. It's, it's generally like, I, I would call it a net zero result. Like you're at the very least, you're basically buying your, you're paying for your time that you're committing to the project. What you're getting is an intangible benefit coming out of it, like you said, which is, hey, look, you know, next time you go to a gig and they're like, well, here's a book that I wrote and, and this is, it's a good thing to have as kind of like a walking resume. And also just, you know, that it teaches you the regimen of, of doing this. Like, look, it's not like, it's not like boot camp. I mean, this is not SEAL Team 6 stuff, you know, but the point is you, you went further than most people do. It's the difference between a marathon and, and going out for a 5K. You know, it's, not that it can't be done by anybody, but did you commit to doing that? And what was the result? It's, you know, a lot of, it's a personal goal as much as it is anything else. So it's, I encourage people to do it, but again, so yeah, no, no, there's not a lot of, you know, you don't get to fly first class from that point forward. No, it's not like JK Rowling. If JK Rowling did right. dip tech books, maybe we could bump our industry up in, in awareness a bit more, but until then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although exactly. I've been in a lot of data centers at night and they are much like the deathly hallows. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, completely agree. 
So the funny thing is we've totally, we're not going to get to the, the bigger, like the deep technical story here, but I think this is, I'm, I'm just stealing your time. This is, I think this is super valuable and I want to go on a bit further. No, Wait. you know what? Let's, yeah. So let, let's, uh, you know, this gives us an excuse to do another one down the road, right? Exactly. That's why I like, I like how you think. I like how you think. <laughs> now you, you're funny. You say you wish you did more. And it's, it's, I could hear it in a lot of things you describe and you do a lot. Like it was that born into you to like, always think that I could do more like that internal motivation to like, you always see that there's an opportunity where you could maybe do it a little bit better or a little bit differently. Did that, was that something you always had that that kind of brought you to technology as well? Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I've always had this, um, yeah, it's a feeling of, you know, yes, I, I would like to give back. Um, I do want to do more. Um, I always, you know, they say, you know, you really need some time away from, you know, your your job, your day-to-day stuff, right? You need another hobby, which, you know, I play hockey. Um, you know, my, my daughter is very active um, and I do tons of things with her. But, you know, I, I go back to even when I was younger, you know, everybody was buying uh, you know, Nintendos and Xboxes and everything. And I would play games and I would get hooked on a game and I'd play for three, four hours. I always had this instant feel of regret when I was done that, oh, that's four hours. I really could have been doing something productive. <laughs> and I still have that. And it's not that I, you know, I mean, I like I said, I do get out and do other things, but I always feel like, um, you know, I, I, you know, I really should be utilizing my time a little bit better. I've been doing things like uh, I'm starting to read deep work. Uh, so oh, it's, excellent choice. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but what I'm really finding with that is I'm I. It's not necessarily the amount of time that I'm devoting to things because uh, I don't want to feel guilty for doing something outside of technology in the community. Uh, it's more of you know, the work that I am doing for eight to 10 hours uh, is very inefficient. And if I could streamline that, then maybe I wouldn't feel guilty about doing some of these other things. If anybody could find a reason to read deep work, you just nailed it right there. Look, this is not about going away and coming up with a dissertation for your doctorate. Like this is I've had a lot of people read the book, and so it's Deep Work by Cal Newport. I recommend it all the time. It's a it's a blast. It's a great read. Uh, and what's interesting is people a lot of times they read it and they come back to me right away. They're like, "I think I'm going to cancel all my social media accounts." I'm like, "Oh, hold hold your horses there, kid. <laughs> before we before we go and buy a castle and then hide out in there for for three months to try and get some content done, like let's find the the mix." And like you said can I make my eight hours a bit more effective? And like, I've, I've got a calendar that looks like a losing game of Tetris. It's, it's terrible. And I, I heard it was a recent article I read with uh, DHH or it's David Hannemeyer Hansen. Who's the, he created rails, uh, Ruby on rails, sorry. And he's a co-founder of a company called Basecamp. used to be 37 signals, but anyways, he, and that was the thing he says, if somebody gives me, a meeting at 10 a.m. and then a 2 a 2 p.m. meeting. He says, "I'm done. That's it. The day is gone." He said he won't let people do that because for him to get deep into programming or whatever, like he needs that full day. But you also need to be able to give up that time and create that availability for those situations. So what I do is, the moment that my calendar gets like 30% filled, I block the rest of the day off. And it's been helpful, but still, you know, sometimes you'll get that thing of like, you know, today's a great example. I had a, a meeting that was ad hoc that then led to a meeting that was in, that was prepared. Then an ad hoc thing that came up before I had to do a, you know, another thing, you know, we're recording. So I'm not going to surrender the stuff that I already put in there, but I also need to say like, okay, how did this day go and how would I prevent it from happening in the future? And I tell you, Mondays, as an example, we're recording on a Monday, really that they're the worst day for that, you know. 
Have you found any advice that you've immediately started to pick up just in reading the book? So I am just, I, in all honesty, I am in the very, very early stages. So I just started it. So, um, you know, I, I don't have any uh, feedback yet. Um, talk to me in two weeks and I will definitely be able to uh, provide more insight. The irony is trying to find enough standalone time to read the book about finding more standalone time. Isn't that, it's a bitter irony. <laughs> so, you know, the funny thing is I actually on my calendar, <clears throat> excuse me, our, our family calendar out in the uh, little walkway out here outside my office, I, I actually have time set aside uh, two nights a week. So, you know, it's uh, nights that my daughter is off doing something else. Um, you know, and I just, I dedicate time for that. And I, they actually, I actually have deep work slash read deep work <laughs> as one of those items. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, from what I've seen so far, uh, and talking to other people, uh, you know, what you had mentioned about blocking off time in your calendar. Um, I've, I've definitely done that, uh, blocked off time just for, you know, Monday mornings. We have tons of, sales meetings and I have time in those, but in the times in between it's, uh, you know, email catch up. I don't leave that open because somebody's going to throw some time on my calendar. I have time on there for, uh, the, uh, oops, this came up today. So if somebody calls me and says, uh, Hey, I have a, you know, I have, I have this to get to the customer by five o'clock. I don't have to drop what I'm doing right then. I move that into my, uh, you know, my two hour block for uh, this just came up. I'm, you know, I'm doing a Kanban board uh, online, you know, to kind of keep things moving and keep track of things just so they don't fall off. Uh, so basically, you know, just getting more organized in general. Uh, and what, what products are you using, if you don't mind me asking? I'm always curious on, on the toolkit. It's helpful because for mine, I use LeanKit for, for my, my board management and I use Todoist as my <clears throat> like immediate uh, like kind of more like ad hoc to-do list stuff. And it, it tends to, to merge some of it, but I always think in like project ways, I think of that's my, that's my lean kit. And then for the like weird things I'll put in like, you know, make phone call, you know, book car service. I don't put that in, in my, my, my lean kit. Cause it's, it's such a minor task, but I do make a point of tracking them elsewhere. Uh, so, yeah, as I start to get into this a little bit more, uh, I'm always looking for, uh, you know, different tools and seeing what other people are using. I started out using uh, KanbanFlow.com. Uh, it's, you know, free. It's great. I can color code stuff. Uh, I work with, you know, many different, um, you know, I, I'm basically uh, a um, specialist for uh, most of North America. So I have, you know, different categories, different colors for different territories that I work with. And uh, so it's nice. Uh, but I'm finding that, you know, once I get into it a little bit more, you know, I first start using it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. This has way more than I'll ever need. And then now that I'm really getting into it and uh, starting to get a lot more uh, detailed, I'm seeing that uh, it's not that it has shortcomings, but you know that you know there may be something out there that provides a little bit more. So I'm um, jotting down the names of the ones that you mentioned. And that's part of the thing of <clears throat> once you get into the practice of it, you begin to find the where it works and where it doesn't. And the what I encourage people to do is don't let the system become the focus of your day because I've done that before where I'm like I I started off with like a physical planner because so I do I do use like I'd write. I have a thing called morning pages. So every day I write something at the end of the day, I review like, and it's more like mood setting than anything else than task setting. Uh, it's like, you know, it's, the, it's better than me having the picture of the cat hanging from the clothes where I going, hang in there, darling, or whatever. Like that's my, my daily motivation. <laughs> but what I do is I've, I, I tried using, I forget what there's like, there's a 10 X planner, there's Panda planner. There's a one called passion planner. And my wife uses Passion Planner. She loves it. She gets incredible value out of it. I was using this thing for a week and I started to like get angry at it, John. It was killing me because I'm like, I don't know how to do this thing right. And I was spending more time trying to figure out how to do the planning than I was in getting the tasks done. And I realized that 
it's just a like it wasn't working for my style but it it very much works for her but me i was a list creator so i went and i'm like okay let's go back to basics and then like you said i to do this was really cool and then i started to say like ooh it would be neat if i could do this thing and that's actually how i came to it relative to some of the other tools because it's like, ah, oh, you can't assign a time to it. And it gives you some other ways of kind of like tracking flow and stuff like that. So yes, as you become a greater user of it, then it becomes taking the process and mapping it to a tool instead of you working backwards going, okay, John, today you're going to use Microsoft Project to plan your life. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, no, you have to have the goal first and then you find the tool that works. Yeah, once you start setting aside time on your calendar to uh, work with the tool that helps free up time on your calendar is when you start to run into an issue. Yeah, especially I need to spend time about how to learn how to spend time. <laughs> right, exactly. Do you still uh, spend time, like you said, you actually marked off a couple of times in the week for, you know, it's actually outside of work hours. That's even another thing. Like in the workday is one thing, but like, do you specifically mark out le personal learning time in internally in your eight-hour or nine-hour day? I say eight-hour, like, ha ha ha. That's funny. That's such thing as an eight-hour day, but whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I guess expand on that. Like when when you say personal learning, um, you know, yeah, I think I'll find that a little bit more. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, it's if you're so you're using a product or you're building, you know, you're doing your role at work, and it usually involves you like getting familiar with other tools or other technologies or maybe industry trends. Do you do you ever like specifically set aside time to say like read about you know what Gartner said on intelligent data management or like or is it just kind of you just roll that in because you do it anyways? Uh, great, great question. So I'm lucky enough to be able to uh, have some time that I can set aside at work for those things that are central to what I do today and what I, you know, what my focus is. Because uh, I'm talking with our large enterprise customers and you know, I'm going in and saying, hey, here are the industry trends. Here's what's going on. Um, here's how it affects you. Uh, because, you know, this, this may be, you know, again, topic for another podcast down the road, but uh, here are the way you do things. Um, and here's what's going on in the industry. Here's what it means to you, right? Now, then there are also uh, areas where uh, working with a working for a vendor, I'm very focused on how our solutions fill those gaps. Um, and I need time to understand what else is going on in the industry outside of my little world and my little view, um, you know, for the, the products that I support and sell. And uh, so that's what I, that's the time outside of the general hours that I spend. And I'm trying to learn things, you know, like, um, you know, how, you know, AWS is, uh, you know, has some of their solutions for managing data. And if a customer decides to move things out there, um, you know, even again, outside of our realm completely, uh, what does that mean? Um, and even from a data management standpoint, there are still times where I'm focusing on things that are technology related, but completely outside of what I focus on today, just to stay fresh, right? Just to understand what's going on out there. Um, I really, and this is, this is kind of weird because the, I, I'm, I'm involved with, you know, you, um, you know, I try to be involved in the, uh, the V community, uh, but I am not a VMware guy at all, but I, I focus on areas where a lot of uh, VMware people or virtualization people in general um, tend to have to focus on, um, you know, data's everywhere. Uh, data sits on all kinds of servers, right? And it's not just the server infrastructure. We have to understand, you know, what, you know, how to manage the data, you know, what it means to different departments in the organization. So I need to learn, I need to understand you know, virtualization, uh, you know, so I can, I can uh, talk to those and understand how that, that works as well. The thing you really hit there was, it's not that you do the thing, but you need to interact with people that do the thing. And I say this as, through my work, I found it as well, is like, if you have an amazing product and you then try and tell people to use it and then they don't, 
your job is to find out why and also what could we do that would make it appear what make it more usable to the actual use case right and it's so funny it seems like like everybody's just shaking their head like doesn't everybody do that no no that's not how it works we create products all the time and then we yell at people like apple did for saying you're holding it wrong and what ends up happening is they they won't use the product now in apple's case they learned and they said like ha ah, sorry in fact they probably made a meme out of it because they realize that like, you cannot tell a customer they're doing it wrong. You have to listen as part of your talking, you know, discussion. And again, if I could, you know, put uh, applause in front of you for what you do very well is here's an idea that I've got. What do you think about that? And really taking the time to listen to people and, and being involved with people that are using day-to-day -day stuff it's easy for people to say like, oh, all that matters in the world is AWS or Azure or, you know, data management or whatever you want. Like you pick your thing. And if you believe that everything else is inconsequential to you getting to this thing, wow, you're going to have a rough go of it, right? <laughs> but you've, yeah. you, it's, it's really, it's profound for people to get to that discovery that like we're part of a big thing and you got to get, to know the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you have to treat it kind of like uh, SE 101 of, um, you know, you don't go into a customer and say, hey, here's why you need this and just lay it all out, right? And you, you go in and, you know, when you meet with a customer, it's uh, customer talk, customer talk, customer talk, customer talk. Um, I reiterate what the customer said, and then we start talking about how to you know, fill those gaps, right? Because you, you, you don't want to go in preaching, right? So, um, you know, understanding, uh, even from a customer perspective, you know, understanding their environment, what they're doing, everything's different. Uh, but you can also, uh, you can apply that to, you know, career and what you're looking to do as well. Uh, hey, I would really like to do this go out and ask a bunch of people and do some research and say, you know, is this viable? Is this a good direction to go? And to bring it right back, I'll tell you the, uh, the three words that, you know, unfortunately I may be in trouble for trademark violation. Just do it. <laughs> what, whatever, whatever the thing is, you know, get out there and, you know, be a listener, be a, be a peer, but man, it's out there. Like there's technology meetups, there's communities, there's online stuff. Uh, there's just tons of opportunity and, and it's out there. And for folks that are listening, if you aren't involved in, in some of the, of the technology communities, you know, even go to ones that aren't in your, in your space, right? It's actually kind of cool. I started going to security conferences. I'm like, this is awesome. These people are really cool. They're weird. They're cool. <laughs> it was so different. I was like, wow, they think about things differently. And again, it's like hanging with the networking team. You're like, they think in different ways. And, and doing that broadened my view a lot better. And it made me a better architect because I was like, oh, yeah, this is the, they don't care about CPU memory, like whatever. They, they care about you know, attack surface, uh, you know, the network person cares about throughput and latency and, and topology. Like, so then when you talk to the developer, you got all that and you wrap it together. It's, it's, it's a, it's a package. It takes a while to build though. Like did, I don't know. It's, I don't know when the optimal time to start thinking big is, but I think if you always think beyond what you're looking at, at least know that there's something further that you got to study never think that you're done. And, and, it's, and it's not a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know. People ask all the time, like, when are you done learning? Like, when you're dead? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I guess the only other thing I would mention with that is, you know, you said just do it. And if you're even nervous about how to just get out and get started, uh, just ask questions. Uh, just ask the community. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. How do I even get started? You know, you don't have to just jump in and start blogging the first day, you know, just say, hey, uh, I don't know anything about this. How do I get started? And you won't get ridicule for that. You'll get help. And that's the thing I love most. I went to, you said being out of your comfort zone, the first VMUG I went to, 
I walked in and, you know, I was like, I've, I've, at the time, I was like, I've never even installed uh, VMware, vSphere server, anything. Uh, and I've looked at the breakout sessions. And I'm like, ugh, I don't know what I want to go to. Uh, but the more people I talk to, you know, I, I, I go to as many as I can now. And, uh, and they're great. And everybody's welcoming. And, you know, just, you know, just jump in. Just do it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you get, and you also get out what you put in. The beauty part about these is the bi-directional capability that you can, you can go in and, and take it in, literally just go in and sit and watch it occur and then decide how you want to interact with it. And that's when you unlock the real sweet spot of like, oh, I can give a talk or I can go to a round table or I can just go to the speaker and say like, hey, this is a normal person. Like I literally had that, that thing of, you know, God, I, I, the first time I met a fellow, Scott Lowe, for folks who, who know Scott, he he's, was at VMware a long time and he went to Heptio and they got bought by VMware. So it's kind of a roundabout fair play on that one. And what was funny is that he was speaking at a VMUG and I, I was like, I'm going up to talk to this dude because I read his book and, and it was cool. He's just a normal person, very, very welcoming. And so that's, again, I encourage people, if you're at a, an event and there's a speaker and you want to like, ask a question, then just go for it. Like, don't do it if you're not, if you don't want to walk to a microphone, then go to the end, you know, and walk up and say, hey, thank you very much for the presentation. I've got a quick question if you've got some time. And, and inevitably, like people build that time in. They love interacting because it makes them better speakers as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I've, I've seen that from, from both sides. You know, I've been the person that's walked up and met somebody that I've read 10 of their books and, you know, and they've just been very gracious. I've also, you know, you and I talked at uh, uh, NetApp Insight a couple of years ago, and I had done a breakout session, had people come up to me, and that was, it was great. I, I loved it. I welcomed it because, again, like you said, you know, you get some instant feedback. They ask some questions that you're like, ooh, yeah, shoot, I should have dove into that a little bit more. So, um, you know, it's, it's great from both sides. Yeah, it's uh, definitely for people that want to get involved. You know, you've always got access to me, uh, you know, to John and, and other folks in the community. You know, reach out. Uh, you know, you got our contact information. If not, hey, I'm at Disco Posse. If I reach out on Twitter, DMs are open. Uh, you know, anybody that wants to think about it. Uh, I'm doing some neat stuff with Rapid Matter. If you're looking at getting into mentoring, so go to rapidmatter.io or .com. Or go to, I think you go to rapidmatter.just about anything, and it'll eventually land on, on the .io site. So there's, we really want to help people find their thing. That's, that's what I want to do. I want, to, I want someone to wake up like I hear you talk, John, and say, I think I can do more and find that thing for them. So it's, uh, I want to thank you, man, for taking the time today. I'm going to wrap up this one, but hey, that's good. You know, we can, we've unlocked many topics we can talk in future. Uh, so hopefully, how do folks find you online? And if they do want to ask questions about getting involved or just about anything at all, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, yeah, John A. Price 29 on Twitter and infotechthings.com. And uh, DMs are open as well. And uh, there's an about me on the Infotech things uh, with some contact information there as well. So, um, yes, please feel free to reach out. I am happy to help. And don't forget to tell them that you listen to the podcast because that feedback's helpful too. It's funny, everyone's about somebody asked me like, hey, I love this. I'm like, oh, whew, okay, someone's listening. <laughs> but it's, I know this is the kind of stuff that people really dig in on. So uh, we will spend more time talking about what you actually do for a job next time around uh, uh, that I'm going to steal another hour of your time. But thanks again, John. Uh, again, for folks that want to listen, you know, uh, grab, go to discoposipodcast.com. We've got the subscription stuff. Uh, I'm going to start putting more show notes, uh, but the quick notes will be there and uh, you can get a hold of some of the other episodes. And uh, thanks again. And we'll talk to you all on the next show. You're listening to the Disco Podcast.